Hello, and welcome to the Power Your Advice podcast. The Power Your Advice podcast is designed to bring financial advisors new ideas, why those ideas should be considered, and how to implement them into your business. This podcast is brought to you by Advisorpedia, the best place for advisors to grow their minds and businesses. And now, please join your host, Doug Heikinen. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. The custody model for advisors is ever evolving. Advisors want the basics nailed, trading, service, and they really want somebody at the end of a phone call when they need them most. The industry buzz right now is about personalization for the end client. And to complete that circle, the advisor needs a custodian more than ever there for them to make that happen. We invited Gino Durango, who's a senior vice president at Axos Advisor Services to the podcast today to talk about Axos, his new role, and the state of the business of being an advisor. Welcome to the podcast, Gino. Thanks for having me on, Doug. It's a pleasure. You've been in the industry for several years now, and many of those working with different types of advisors. What's the opportunity in front of advisors as we look at the current environment? It's a tremendous time for advisors and RIAs in this era. The shortage and need for great quality investment advice has never been greater. I mean, we look all the time at some of the data and the statistics, Doug, and we see that there's a significant number of Americans that still need help with their finances, whether it's retirement planning, education planning, we hear it and see it in the numbers over and over again. And so the market opportunity for advisors is rich with gaining more and more clients. But we do have to look at some of the changing elements that are happening with consumers and investors. And advisors need to be aware of some of these changes so that they can capitalize on it. Now, as an example, we're seeing, you know, this great generation of millennials, about 72 million, according to the last census, start to become more engaged. I remember reading stories a few years back saying millennials were never going to own anything or they just may rent homes. Uh, They may not become investors. And we're starting to see data that is obviously pointing to the contrary of that. They're starting to have home ownership. They're now leading in terms of mortgages and taking down mortgages of the majority of Americans. And they're starting to become more and more engaged with what does their finances look like and hiring investment advisors. So advisors have this great opportunity to help and support more and more individuals. And as you noted, uh, to do that in a personalized way. And it's incumbent upon advisors to start to think about how they're delivering their services in a unique way, how they're starting to price those services in a unique way that may have been different than they were doing when they first opened up their firm or when they first got into the industry. But overall, it's a truly exciting time for advisors to continue to acquire clients. And we see that in some of the elite RIAs across the country who are really growing rather rapidly uh, over the last several years. You can't look forward without looking a bit back as perspective is sometimes lost in the rush of what's new. What are the major changes you've seen over the last two decades or so in terms of the financial advisor? Yeah, it's a great question. I have been in this industry for quite some time, and it's amazing when I sit back and think about where we were 20 plus years ago when I began, many years ago when I first started, and I would sit down, especially with advisors perhaps that were at a major wirehouse uh, firm, 
they would tell you that the ability to go independent wasn't in existence, that the wire firms had this monopoly control over technology and investment products and the tools that they needed to serve their clients. And I've noticed three major trends over that period of 20 plus years. The first is the advent and the creation of these technology platforms. All of us as independent custodians have really grown our services in a rich way that serve advisors to be able to offer more products, more services to their end investors and do that in a highly scalable way. And when I say technology, I just don't mean, you know, our systems, if you will, but I also refer to that as the third party of technology and platforms that have developed for advisors. And so I would often hear many years ago that, well, I, I don't want to take on a, the compliance burden as an example. And lo and behold, today we have uh, the community of advisors has several independent consulting and compliance firms to help them with that research and investment products that we talked about. It, advisors can now hire and outsource research and investments. And so we really do have a, a full suite of solutions that have grown up around these advisory practices that not only can compete with some of the largest wealth management firms in the country, but in fact, be better um, and create customization around exactly what an advisor is going to be able to want to do with their firm and with their own clients. It's really amazing when we sit back and think about how that's evolved. The second major theme that I've noticed over the last 20 years is just how much competition has come into this space. Independent RIAs have been the fastest growing segment within the wealth management space. And again, if I just go back 10 or 15 years ago, I would visit smaller towns across the country and people would say, well, I'm the only RIA in this, in this town or in this city. And so many advisors used location as a strategic differentiator. Well, that's gone. And that's not just gone because of COVID and some of the enhancements we've seen on the technology side or virtual meetings, but that's gone as a result of more and more advisors shifting their business model to the RA marketplace, the fiduciary model. We've seen more independent broker dealers uh, morph their business to uh, a fiduciary model. We've seen even the wire firms create more and more programs around the fiduciary model, or at least a fee-based type of solution. And we see insurance brokers and uh, large uh, regional and national banks migrate. And so the level of competition has become very fierce and it's increased exponentially for uh, the independent advisor and practitioner. What I would add to that is uh, some firms uh, use custodian partners who are some of the, the listeners may not be aware, but if you look at kind of the second fastest growing segment within wealth management, it has been some of the retail brokers uh, that advisors use as custodian partners. And so everyone is trying to get into this model and this momentum uh, of the fee-based trend because we realize that this is where end investors want to be. They want to be serviced by fiduciaries and it's forced the top firms to become a little bit more thoughtful about their services and have to raise and elevate what they're bringing to the table for their investor clients. So we've seen that what I would say the third major trend has just been the increase in services that advisors have begun to offer their clients. Again, if I go back, when I would visit firms early on, firms would distinguish themselves as I'm a financial planner, I'm an asset management firm. And today you hear more and more firms describe themselves as providing 
holistic wealth management services. And, and to me, that is certainly where the industry is going and certainly where the firms that are positioning themselves for growth are really focusing in on the personalization with end investors and how they're going to encompass the end investor with a broad set of services and provide that holistic advice so that they can better compete and differentiate themselves in the marketplace. You touched on some major themes there in the advice model, and I'd really like to get into that with you on a on a podcast in the future. Um, but let's move on with so much focus on money in this industry. The end investor gets a bit lost, and that's why we're all here. How does the industry do a better job focusing on the end investor to, one, ensure people are getting educated, and two, given the ability to get advice if they want it? Yeah, I, I think it's a great question. And it's something that the entire industry needs to continue to be very thoughtful about. And I don't mean that just from the advisor standpoint, but I think all of us as custodians need to, to give consideration to that, how we can help further educate end investors to become great clients of, of RIAs. I also think, and on a personal note, that we need the regulatory agencies also to step up. I felt for a while we were going down the road of really making the lines clear from a regulatory standpoint as to how best investors would engage with advisors. Am I working in a truly fiduciary model that's providing ongoing advice and support for my, for my portfolios? Or am I in a transactional nature? And I'm not here to suggest that one is is the right way or the only way, but investors should understand how they're engaging with advisors. And I think it's incumbent upon the regulatory side of our industry to really help differentiate and make clear lines so that RIAs and, adv and advisors in general can understand the rules of the road and provide services around that. But we all have a responsibility to help the investors and it is who we all serve and we should never lose sight of that. From an advisor standpoint, what I see the best firms in the industry is doing is that they are becoming really educators to the investing public, if you will. They are wanting to hire and wanting to retain the clients who are best informed about what it is their service provides, how they're doing it, educating investors around the markets, what's happening in capital markets and the economy so that they can better understand how their investments play a role into that. You know, one of the frustrating things for me personally is, and you know, to your listeners here, I'll out myself, I'm a Gen Xer, and I've seen a lot of various market cycles already in my life. I've certainly seen the Great Recession, and, and in speaking with friends of mine and growing up in this industry, and speaking with friends who did not, um, it was unfortunate to see some of them, you know, when markets swooned uh, back in 08 and 09, you know, they got off the investing train and it became detrimental to their finances and it really set them behind. And part of that is they didn't have the education. Part of that is they didn't work with a, a good quality advisor to really help them along the way. And I've seen some elements of that kind of peek its head again. And, and I, I'll reference back to what I mentioned earlier about uh, the millennials, which is a large demographic base in the country. You know, it's, it's a bit frustrating when I when we sat back and we were noticing during COVID that a lot of millennials wanted to have some extra time and extra money and perhaps were investing in some speculative stocks and, and buying some of the meme stocks, if you will. 
And is that a, a basis for a way to get started in long-term investing? I don't believe so. Uh, certainly investment advisors, I think, can play a role in helping educate the difference between speculating and really focusing in on what are your long-term financial goals? How can we help you get to that in whatever my market cycles may come? So advisors play a critical role in this. And if we lose, and if we focus, excuse me, and remain focused on what matters most, which is we're looking at the end investors, how do we help them get to their life objectives, retirement, education planning, accumulating wealth, philanthropy, et cetera, this industry will well, be well served and it will continue to grow. Why do you feel Axos Advisor Services is going to be successful? There's some very big players out there. There are some very big entrenched players. Uh, there are, as you know, Doug, three very large RA custodians that control an overwhelming uh, size of the RA asset pool today, roughly around 87%. If, if you look at the recent Cerulean numbers or BCG numbers, uh, but we know we're going to be very successful here at Axos and in, and in conversations with prospective clients and clients, I'm, I've certainly been emboldened and thrilled to hear that our message is starting to resonate you know, for us, it's, it's quite simply, we are focused in on our opportunity with advisors. You know, we don't spend a lot of time within the leadership uh, side of the organization thinking about what our competitors are doing. We spend our time thinking about what can we do to better serve advisors and end investors, as I said a few moments ago, in a better way. And for us, that better way is really around three main areas. You know, we look heavily around our technology offering and what we like to call our unified digital platform. We get to marry some great services that we have within our banking franchise, like savings, lending, commercial-based savings and lending, and tie that in with this great Liberty platform that we've built around being very efficient around trading, being able to integrate third-party technology if an advisor is using that, or in some cases, providing some of our own integrated solutions that help advisors get scale and help increase their client experience and increase their client satisfaction so that they can serve more clients and help keep educating uh, the, the, our fellow Americans that need great high-quality investment advice. So technology and this unified digital platform is something we think that is going to really differentiate us from the competition and bring that holistic services that advisors are looking for. The second thing is, as I mentioned, you know, we are looking at expanding the level of services that advisors can offer clients specifically around, you know, personal banking and private banking needs that their high-end clients may have. And we see our clients tapping into that today. As I mentioned earlier, the competition is fierce and advisors know that if their clients have accounts at some of the large national banks, they're getting pitched wealth management services. And so we want to provide those services in a white label to RIAs so that they can better defend their value proposition with their clients. And last but not least, uh, which is critically important, this is how our organization looks at wealth management. And by that, I mean, we look at wealth management through the eyes of our independent advisors and their growth. We don't have proprietary products within the firm. We, we aren't focused in on building out a private client division with extensive wealth management services. We look at the partnership with our independents as how we're going to, to access the wealth management industry, which is materially different than a lot of firms out there today. And advisors are starting to understand that message. Our phones are ringing. We're talking with more and more firms. 
and they're really starting to understand our value proposition and start rewarding us with the assets of their clients. You're new to Axos Advisor Services, and there are many reasons why you're here. What's got you pumped? Yeah, there are several things that have me super excited about joining uh, Team Axos. And, you know, first is the mission that we're on to really evolve custody and to bring these holistic services to investors. It's why I wake up in the morning every single day. I know that I feel good after a hard day's work uh, and, and able to sleep very comforting, knowing that I'm helping great advisors plan for the needs of their clients to help meet their financial goals. And, and for someone who grew up from very modest upbringing, that's critically important to me. And that, that really is in our DNA is to help our clients on the banking side, on the, on the advisory side, on the custody side, really in a meaningful way to help reach their and achieve their goals with removing as many frictions. And so the model just for me aligns completely in sync with what we were trying to do and what I philosophically believe in. So that was a key reason for me to want to come over to Axos. I also believe the non-competitive nature of our business perfectly aligns us with advisors and the growth trajectory that they're going to be. And that was important to me to really be able to work at a firm that is committed to the partnership with advisors to help them grow and help them gain scale and help provide additional services uh, to their end investors. But also I'm excited about the opportunity for our firm. The community of RIAs need more choices in the custody space. And I've worked at places when I started that were really small and we grew exponentially and we became a force within the RIA community, which is something I know we will do here. And the growth and the opportunity that that occurs for the teammates that you work with and where they can take their careers and to help impact the organization is super exciting for me. So there's a lot of reasons I can share with you, Doug, but those are just some of the kind of the key reasons what, make, what makes Axos exciting to me. I, I believe it's what makes it exciting for my teammates and also for the clients we serve. I think they're great reasons. So big picture, how does the industry become winners in this whole thing? Well, I, the industry has a very bright future. And as I mentioned, more and more Americans certainly need and continue to need great investment advice. And the trend is squarely in place for fee-based advisors to continue to gain additional assets in the marketplace from some of the other wealth management firms. How the industry continues to stay ahead is to remain focused on the North Star, which is the end client. We need to continue to better educate consumers and investors alike on, on the merits and the benefits of long-term investment planning and doing that in a fee-based fiduciary model is certainly critical in my eyes and, and really helping investors meet their goals. And we need to do that in, in, a, in a fashion that provides simplicity and removes friction. And so if the industry does need to think a bit outside of the box. I know some articles have been written about this over the year, and perhaps some of us in wealth management have kind of shrugged our shoulders and laughed, but I look at organizations and companies all the time, and just to think about great client experiences, and I'll, I'll just use one example in Amazon. Now, I believe it was Financial Planning Magazine a few years back that wrote an article that more people trust Amazon than they do any other type of service that they work with. And we've heard anecdotally that Amazon has started to look at this. They've made certain acquisitions of where they might want to get into banking. And again, I think sometimes we make light of these situations, but there are these great brands that have this amazing attraction with consumers. 
that they can add services. And I believe it was a week or so ago where Amazon announced that they had acquired one medical. And clearly at, with a multi-billion dollar acquisition, they're going to make some inroads into healthcare. And so we ought not to make sure that we're just looking at the competition that's around us today, but thinking perhaps about who may come into this space because they see it is a lucrative industry financially and they want to kind of disrupt the space. So I would encourage all advisors to make sure that they're thinking about the client experience, they're educating the end investor, they're bringing more services to those clients, they're thinking of alternative ways to price their services that may be unique to some of the new kind of uh, end clients that are coming into the marketplace, whether they be millennials or the next generation thereafter, but that we begin to think more broadly of how we can service clients in a, di in a different delivery mechanisms with additional products and services and additional fee structures so that we that are already in this business can kind of stay forefront and not let some of the other firms that may be looking at financial services and coming into it. But in, but in closing, Doug, I mean, this industry has a very bright future ahead of it so long as we keep the investor top of mind and in, and in the, as our North Star. I completely agree with you on that assessment. Gino, thank you so much for joining us. Your enthusiasm is just amazing, and I wish you the best of luck there. Thanks, Doug, for the time. I hope to be back, and I hope we can do it again sometime. To learn more about Axos Advisor Services, please visit axosadvisorservices.com. Please follow us for all latest updates on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook, all at Advisorpedia. For everybody at Advisorpedia, our producer, Jakey Beard, and the Power Your Advice podcast team, this is Doug Heikinen.